0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your co-host, Carrie Burkowski here with my lovely co-host... Brianne Ruse. Hey Brianne. Hey, hey, good morning. <laughs> Thought I'd add lovely this morning. Hey, thanks. Feeling thanks it a little it. bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe I'm feeling lovely because as listeners know, I have been fighting a cold. We're on week three of this cold, but I am starting to feel better. Little, still a little hoarse, but feeling much better. So um, so welcome back. And we are we were just reflecting on the fact that we can't believe we're wrapping season four, Brianne. I know. It's so many episodes. It's so cool. <laughs> so many. And so what we have left for this season officially is um, we are going to do our reflection on the year as we often do mid and end year in the season. And we have one more, I'm going to call it like a a little treat, uh, Brianne, that we're going to bring bring one of our favorite guests back and talk mm-hmm. about we're going to do another book club um, on emotional inheritance so that'll be sometime in in June we think um, right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we're still working on scheduling so really it'll be this episode and one more episode and we will call it a wrap for season four um, Brienne and I are working right now potentially on some summer episodes so stay tuned but really um, we look forward to introducing season five oh my gosh season five <laughs> Um, sometime in September, and maybe we'll do a little teaser on what's to come. So for our new listeners, this is a podcast about all things belonging, community, connections, collaboration, and holding space for what is possible. Over the life of this pod, we have explored research and scholarship on or related to belonging. We've shared stories, listened, and engaged with diverse individuals about belonging during the pandemic as parents, leaders, and just human beings who show up for all the things. This season, we're journeying into belonging in our relationships as friends, spouses, coworkers, neighbors, all levels. And as I said, today, Brianne and I are super excited um, to offer a reflection, uh, really a year-end reflection on season four. And as is customary now, and even though I know Brianne feels a bit of discomfort in these moments, <laughs> we we prepped solo, independent of each other, so we honestly have no idea what the other is going to bring to the table. So we really welcome you into an organic and authentic conversation, and I'm, I'm excited, Brianne.
2: I know, me too. I'm always so curious as yeah. to how they kind of align.
1: Absolutely. So... I'm going to invite you to start, but no pressure if you don't feel like it, but I'd love to hear what you're thinking about.
2: Yeah, sure. So I can start. Um, well, I was thinking about season four being about relationships, right? So mm-hmm. belonging and relationships. And I thought about how funny it is that we ask every guest to define belonging. And we've never really thought about defining a relationship and what that means. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that? We talk about language.
1: Oh, my gosh. and, definitions and
2: everything. Um, and so I was looking at the book that you gave me um, that Jessica Anastasio introduced us to, which is by, I think it's David Rico. Oh Rico. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the title of the book is how to be an adult in relationships. And he writes, this is a quote, the origin of this book was in my conviction that relationships like anything else of value require tending. They do not improve or even last on their own since they are not self-sustaining. They require upkeep like gardens, cathedrals, and bodies. Tending combines ongoing psychological work and spiritual practice on the part of all concerned. So I thought that was kind of neat to just think about like relationships as something that is, you know, their processes, their things that change over time, as is the nature of anything that, you know, lasts Mm. quite a length of time. Um, And that kind of got me thinking about my first of three themes for today, which is attention. Mm. and <clears throat> attention is something that David Rico writes in his book. It's the first of his five A's. So those five A's that Jessica introduced us to, they are attention, acceptance, appreciation, affection, and allowing. Mm. And as I was kind of going through all of our episodes, attention is something that bubbled up to me several times, and it seems pretty foundational when you think of a relationship. Um, I'll just quote, Uh, Rico, again, because I think it kind of frames this discussion. Attentiveness means noticing and hearing someone's words, feelings, and experiences. In a moment of authentic attention, we feel that we are deeply and truly understood in what we feel, say, or do, and in who we are, with nothing left out. Someone attunes to us, mirrors us. We are noticed, acknowledged, heard. Someone gets us. Hmm. I think oh, I would I push back that. on the with nothing left out part. I don't love that because I don't know that, Yeah, I don't know, that seems awfully exhaustive. But I think that overall what he says is true, right? Yeah. And so that feeling of attention, I think, is fundamental to belonging, first mm-hmm. of all. yeah. Um, so there's that. And then when we think about our guests, one thing that Kristen Barber was talking about when she was discussing um, the children that she works with who have learning differences, she said... Early attention is so critical
1: mm-hmm. and is
2: oftentimes missed for those kids. You know, they're kind of pushed through. It's like good enough for a while. And then when those needs become so apparent, it's hard to make up for what has been lost in, the, in that time. So she talked about attention in that way. Um and then Liz Rade talked about attention to her students interests. so she was the middle school math teacher who does all sorts of work and research with capstone projects Mm. and so like that real intentional attention to voice and choice and helping students to attend to what they love and then to then grow that into these really incredible learning opportunities I thought that was awesome and to me very grounded in attention. I'm also reading a book right now called Reclaiming Conversation by Sherry Turkle. Mm-hmm. And she talks a lot about attention and technology. And, you know, when you feel attended to, there are things like eye contact, right. And the fact that um, that's missing a lot now, because we're so often looking at our phones, even in the physical uh. presence of other people, um, the book is really excellent. I felt kind of called out because she was talking about things. I'm like, oh my gosh, I definitely do that. And I don't really think about it as kind of a violation of attention, but I've been much more aware since then. So, yeah, um, that was kind of neat. She talks about multitasking and how we don't really ever multitask. No. You know, we just jump from thing to thing to thing. Yep. And even just the presence of a phone on a table mm-hmm. is a, an, an attention detractor.
1: Yep. Yeah. right.
2: And so, if we think about kind of coming back to David Rico's attention is that feeling when you're fully engaged with someone mm-hmm. you sort of can't help but think about the things that detract from from that, right. And I just think that that it popped up a few times, and i I was like, oh, it's it's fundamental to belonging, yeah, that that idea of kind of full and complete attention.
1: I love. Yes, I love that you keyed in on how we hadn't defined relationships. And I feel like, you know, the the if I put the researcher cap on for a second, this is the moment in any researcher's experience where you say, oh, I wish we had asked every guest the I definition <laughs> of relationship, right? I but know, look, the that's, that's the life of a researcher. I mean, that's just the reality you can't, you know, um, you leave things out right like it just happens yeah. so i love i love that you circled back and i'm sure we could follow the breadcrumbs and get a sense of how people conceptualize relationship when you mm. were defining i love i love for some reason that word tending mm. i love that word i don't use that word but i love that word and the reason i loved that particular word brienne is because for me tending feels like I, I almost felt like a care and a kindness yeah. and a love, like not just, I mean, attention, yes, I get the like, I, the, but like mm-hmm. when you said requires tending, I was like, yes, that is exactly what it is in a relationship is that word like embodies care and kindness and love and careful, right, like carefulness. And I just Yeah, because it's the same root, right, as tender. So yeah. and I
2: feel like tending is like tender attention.
1: Okay. Yeah, which I just, yeah. I really loved that that was the the word. And then when you were talking about, I wrote down, I was listening, and then I wrote down um, effortful, mm-hmm. right, and mm-hmm. intention. And I, I couldn't help but reflect on the conversation we had about friendship. Yes, that how it I, takes I went, work. Yep. I went right back to that where, you know, too often we are, We are sold a myth in the movies that we love that every these things should be easy, that tending to a relationship should be easy. And so if we play that out, we then believe that when it gets hard, that something must be wrong, right? That this isn't meant to be. This is I'm doing something wrong. It's not a good match. And in fact, while sometimes that might be true, that doesn't being hard doesn't mean it's wrong. And so I loved, I love, you brought me right back to that conversation where we shared some of the, you know, bumps and bruises and human condition of our relationship, which I feel like has made us just that much stronger, you know, as as a, as a relationship. And I agree, I loved that you also keyed in, you're so good at paying attention, like the nothing, nothing left out when you said that that didn't feel, Resonant for you. What I wondered about was, um, maybe a tweaking of that is um, attending and being seen with boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. That like we, because like we know boundaries are a form of self care, right? That you know, Bre- Brene Brown tells us we, you're not going to dump everything on the on the conference room table, right? So
2: right. And I I'm listening to um, Carvel Wallace right now on the Kelly Corrigan podcast. And he is talking about um, the idea that you can know someone like even a spouse, you know, someone, you know, so, so well, you still don't know all of their experiences and you don't know what it was like, you know, even with a sibling, like where conditions are very, very similar growing up and all that kind of stuff, it's still different. So this idea of nothing left out, I feel like is a little, it just pushes a little too far because I've been challenged lately to think about even the people I know best in the world, but I still don't know right. firsthand, you know, yeah. what their lived experience was. So, yeah, um, I think that's why I yeah. hesitated a little bit there. But overall, I, I like the way he attends to attention.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right. It's it's such a beautiful alignment with belonging, because I feel like the definition I often come back to with belonging is being seen. Mm hmm and to me i don't know how you get away from being seen if you're not attending or attuning to somebody so it feels like it's all in the same ballpark so i love that <laughs> i also appreciated your your thoughts around the detract the detractors of attention yeah. and i wonder it made me wonder that's something that we should as researchers tease out a bit like what are the detract like we've talked about thwarted belonging so like at the extreme Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know that we've necessarily explored the extent to which having phones in a room might detract from somebody's sense of belonging or, you know, anyway, it was just a really interesting because I have to say I'm I'm doing some work around my use of social media and where my phone is in relation to my conversations with my kids and with mm-hmm. my spouse. And I've actually deleted Facebook from my phone because I. I need a break. And I noticed that when I didn't have something going on, I would just open it and sort of subconscious or unconsciously just scroll. Waste of time. So, um, so I loved, I I had not just
2: a waste of time. I feel like it, it can waste time, but there's something, there can be some like stirring of things that are not great. Totally. I mean, you know, associated with the scroll. Yes.
1: I mean, the Um, comparison that goes on and the, the myth that everybody in the social media is having a better time at things than I am. It's just like this weird. The other thing that came up to me, up for me when I was listening to you talk about detract, detractors from attention. And I know it's a very different phrase, but I wonder this notion of being a bucket dipper.
0: Mm.
1: So um, if you've seen the book or heard the story like around bucket dipping (laughs) is really about, you know, just like feeling like i think of like harry potter and the dementors like taking away your joy and thing and i just i couldn't help but think about is there a sort of i don't know what the right grammar term is but like is it is it a corollary or a, a parallel term that you might use for detractors of attention that would mm-hmm. be similar to a bucket dipper cuz it's really like you come to this space to create inclusion and if you don't say anything about the use of phones or side conversation i just wonder right like it's like you're sort of all that belonging you're trying to invite you're sort of keeping it at bay with those other things so anyway it was just i know that's sort of a tangent but that was something that came up
2: i know now you got me thinking about what is that word or phrase I've got to think yeah, about yeah <laughs> i know well,
1: well we can we can put a can come up with it. Yeah. and come back to it but i i i'm so grateful that you started us off um thinking about relationships um I'm not sure I have a good transition. Do we want to go back and forth or do you want to get off Yeah, Let's go, back and, forth. Let's go, go back, back and forth. forth? Okay. Yeah. Um I will say that the first one that came up and I think I can weave it into relationships because I think um perhaps a way to think about being more attuned and being more tender with all relationships and including people that we bump into at a grocery store for example is what um Dr. Jill Snodgrass said in our one of our very first episodes around radical acceptance mm-hmm. that I feel like an an entryway, a door, an invitation, whatever your your metaphor into relationships and learning to build these really authentic, effortful relationships has to require radical acceptance. Um and I have to say it's so it was so timely and powerful that she was an early episode mm. because that phrase, and I, I know we saw her yesterday in a session, a virtual session that we were both in, and I wanted to say to her, I wanted her to know <laughs> like how impactful that phrase has been for me because I truly have carried that phrase with me all year. And I know when I do a better job, a good job, and a bad job of living out radical acceptance and I just... I don't know. I feel like I was talking to some students last night about core values, and I asked them what their conception of core values is. And one student said, I kind of feel like it's your personal Mm non-negotiables. And I loved that idea of non-negotiable. And so it made me wonder. Radical acceptance feels like potentially if it's not already for people, it should be a non-negotiable if you yeah. believe and i think Jill did such a beautiful job of talking about the dignity and the humanity of everyone and just so yeah so that was my first takeaway because it really has lived with me the entire year we've done this podcast and i bet if we went back to the transcripts i bet i mentioned it in almost every episode know,
2: yeah well it's funny cuz that was my third that was my culminating theme um was radical acceptance and this idea of just shared humanity that Mm -hmm. Jill offered to us. And it made me think about some episodes that were so different this season than we've had from other guests, specifically when we talked to Nuf and Nick um, about their work with refugees Mm. because people whose humanity is not acknowledged in, you know, the same way I think as a lot of other people
1: um, or even and- persecuted like, right. Like yeah. Right. So actively not even not yeah. excluding. Yeah.
2: Yep. Um, and kind of along similar lines, a little bit different, but um, Vicki Garofalo's discussion of mm. people in the foster system and those children, I mean, yeah. so different than the experiences that we've talked with. Um, yeah. You I know, guess we talked with before. So, and then even um, Heather, H- you writes right. So talking about my uh, people who are minoritized, Mm. And the idea of unconditional positive regard, like that's what she Mm. said, which kind of reminded me of the radical acceptance. And, you know, Kanita Williams, her posture of
1: her belonging.
2: (laughs) I know which connects, you know, what she said is connected to a posture of racial equity. And that's to me, all of those things were grounded in humanness and radical acceptance. And I think, you know, we would say, or I would have said, like, yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that every person <laughs> belongs. And yeah. um, But I was challenged in these conversations differently than in the past because we were talking about groups of people who I I don't generally interact with in mm-hmm. my day-to-day um, other than reading the news, which feels very distant. So yeah. I appreciated the challenges of that and kind of opening my eyes to like, yeah, you understand that concept in theory, but what is it really? Like, yeah. what is it for... Nook and neph to, <laughs> Nook that's and awesome. Nick. <laughs> Oh my gosh! No, that was right. No. Oh my gosh! I don't Nuff,
1: know. No, and Nick. Nick.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's to awesome. work with the
2: refugees day to day, and Vicky. So um, that's yeah. funny that you know we. I'm not surprised that we came up with a similar. Theme.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting too because I think, I think what Jill did for me and I think this so resonates because we're so interested in the language around belonging is she gave us a phrase that gets right to the core Mm -hmm. because I think we we've spent some time this year reading and sharing, um, you know, we're going to talk in a few weeks about emotional inheritance (laughs) and we've read books about bittersweet and discomfort and, I mean so many books. And I think all, a lot of those books are keying into and the other book, um the Becky Kennedy book, um Good Inside. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those books are sort of tipping their hat to radical acceptance for different reasons, right? Like we should believe our kids are good inside and the behaviors we see are just behaviors we see that there's something else deep. Emotional inheritance is reminding us that we all come to these spaces, I'm obviously paraphrasing, with baggage Mm -hmm. and trauma, little T and big T trauma. And so I think these books are giving us, in some ways, reasons for why we show up the way we do And at the end of the day, it's radical acceptance, right? Because even Vicky, which I remember both of us reacting, Vicky reminded us that what's so unique about the foster system, and when I say system, I mean those relationships, is everyone is coming from a place of loss.
2: Yeah, that was very profound.
1: That was so (laughs) profound for me. Mm -hmm. And like being able to, so again, the idea there is like naming what that human condition is and leaning into radical acceptance. Yeah. Right. So I just, I just think <coughs> Jill, in her theological expertise, just cut to the quick of shared humanity, the human conditional condition, and radical acceptance. Cause at the end of the day, you know, if you believe radical acceptance, if it is a non negotiable, Then the stories are important because they give you context, but the stories shouldn't impact your level of radical acceptance. Like, right, like we all and as you were talking, Brianne, and we we've I've never said this phrase that I'm getting ready to say, but you made me think when you were talking about marginalized individuals and the folks that Nuff and Nick work with, I actually think we all have a right to belonging. And we've never talked about that.
2: No, we haven't talked about it. I mean, I think it's inherent in this idea of radical acceptance.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but we haven't yeah. used that for or I haven't used that phrase.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. So I love we go from relationships to radical acceptance. And I think my second theme that came up. And I think it's related to radical acceptance. So if we're thinking about. You know, relationships and. If they require tending, they require attention to be attuned. Well, attuning is that your second one, attunement? No, my second oh, one is that's related. My second one. <laughs> oh, the second one for me is related to attunement. Okay. And what I want to notice is that attunement doesn't have to be in verbal communication.
2: Oh no, not at all. Yeah. So attu-
1: So what what came up for me when I was reflecting was the many ways that our guests described expression and connection and attunement. Um, we had people talking about Taylor, um, was talking about like being present in your body and holding space. Um, Dr. Christine Mahady talked about music and vibrations. Um, Dr. Nick talked about the energy of all the different groups that work and this idea of a force multiplier. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? About so so I think it's interesting and I just love that we are surfacing you know we we're so interested in language. We're so interested in expression. We understand that belonging is dynamic. And if we want to have these relationships that require tending and attention we also need to pay attention to cues outside of language there's all sorts of things right like i don't it's like the word that came up is like it's like this cacophony of things Mm -hmm. just happening in this space right um yeah so so that was my second one that was my second one
2: well i want to take that lead because my, so I had attention and relationships was my first one and the humanity and and radical acceptance was my third and attunement is my second one. And I actually think that it's sort of between the two. So if we think about radical acceptance as this just inherent right to belong or inherent belonging, yeah, because just because you are a person in this world. And then I think about attention as this, like, you know, um, process of sharing
1: mm-hmm. and
2: attending to to somebody to me attunement is between those two things mm-hmm. so um you know you you mentioned you don't need the context for radical acceptance i agree with that but i think you need some context for attunement i think mm-hmm. you need because when i think about attunement i think about it, it doesn't have to be verbal but it's like a deep connection and there mm-hmm. needs to be something known yep i think for that connection to happen and i Highlighted the same people you did. I talked about um, Taylor and her body, mind, and spirit attunement and connection. You can feel it in the virtual air when you talk with her. So, you know, even on Zoom. Yeah. And it's the words she uses and it's her physical presence. And it's this, I mean, you said, as we always do, you know, how are you today? Do you remember how she answered that question? That's put you on the spot.
1: I remember that she. I don't remember what her answer was. The only thing I remember is usually she asks what's alive, what's alive in me today. So
2: she, she did, she talked about that and she said, I'm well resourced. Oh, (laughs) that's right. Well resourced. I've never thought of that expression. Um, And she's like, I'm fed. I did my workout. I'm hydrated, all these things. Um, Right. And she of course talks about like the moon and cycles and these things that I never think about. Yeah. Um, But a really cool perspective on attunement. And all of these elements of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nuf talked about when she talked about belonging, she talked about the idea of a slight exhale mm. among yes. the refugees she works with. Like, yeah, there's not this feeling of like, whoo, I'm relaxed and I'm here because there's just too many things at work yeah. for those people. But that if she could witness or help to induce that slight exhale, that that is like a moment of attunement mm. that might lead to belonging. And I really loved that because I feel like we all can relate, not exactly to that context, but to the idea of just, oh, like just yeah. for a moment yeah. being able to. Um, and so that description was one of that for me facilitated the idea of attunement. Like this yeah. this really strong alignment. Um, among people. And Marie Heath, Dr. Marie Heath, so cool. She talked about citizenship. Like Mm. we talked about relationships. She talked about citizenship and the way she talked about it to me was a way of attunement. Like Mm -hmm. we are members of a community with responsible responsibility to other people. Um, Mm. and that that connection to her is fundamental to belonging and to relationships. Yeah. Um, Mm So I thought and then, of course, Christine's discussion of music. So neat. And no one has really discussed that. But I know you love music and I love music. And when you have that moment, you know, I'm not necessarily the one creating the music, but I feel that attunement. And so I imagine it's even stronger if you're the if you're the musician.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that's such great noticing and articulation of attunement, like discerning radical acceptance and attunement because I can I can see that because like radical acceptance is the non-negotiable and the attunement feels, I'm going to use the word intimate and I don't mean it in like, like intimacy, right, right. like I mean it in like a, yeah. it's like leaning in and really, because I, I, it's not the same I know but what you made me think of is like if you're tuning an instrument you have to hear it first mm-hmm. before you know whether or not it's at the right pitch or tune or whatever note. So, so there's something about that, like being able to key into the environment and the setting and the context to really be connected. And you made me think you were ticking off so many wonderful guests. And it made me also think of um, when Katie Boucher came on and talked about the Accord mm-hmm. School. And yeah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but when she talked about the idea that the students know that they're welcome here, and it feels similar, right? That feels very like yes, everybody's accepted, but there's something about and I know her well enough to to understand like her welcoming you would just similar similar to Taylor, you just feel her loving energy for these kids. Um and I'm sure they feel it when they see her in the morning or where whenever they see her. So
2: yeah. It's like a personal resonance or something, Mm. um, which is funny because resonance is also a musical word. So yeah, there's something neat about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I loved how she talked about um, the physical movements that she teaches her kids. Mm. Like no one's, if you want somebody to sit at the lunch table with you, I want you to turn your shoulders toward that person and say, come on, we have a seat here. Like the physical inviting and what our body language does to
1: promote. Yeah. Well that goes back to what you were saying earlier cuz you when you were talking about the relationships you were talking about eye contact. Yeah. So similarly like and and I'm sure like it's so old school now but like you learn sort of um I don't know where I learned it but like when you cross your hands, cross your arms, mm-hmm. you're not being welcoming. Closed and, yeah, closed off. Yeah, closed off. So yeah, so being aware. I, I love that she's teaching them to be aware. I mean it's just Yeah. Just being aware of those cues is super important. So um, Mm -hmm. you mentioned it already, but this was my third one. And I think I can, I'm going (laughs) to see if I can synthesize and wrap it all into one and see if it makes any sense. So we've talked about relationships. We've Mm -hmm. talked about this sort of big idea of radical acceptance. And then I love this idea of attunement, which integrates the setting, the context, all the things that are going on. And my third one, it had to be Dr. Kenita Williams' posture. It just so had good. to be. And what I'm going to try to articulate here is I wonder if this word posture gives us an opportunity to almost pack up the radical acceptance and the cacophony of attunement and take us with, take it with us anywhere we go. And that posture is like our attempt to hold these things that we feel are sacred to inviting belonging and building these important relationships and expressing this radical acceptance. And I wonder if posture is a way to package it. Mm. And I just I mean, I. Keep telling Kanita like she needs I know she's written a dissertation that includes this phrase. I keep pushing her lovingly to to write more (laughs) about this because she needs to get it out there. And I tell her every time I mention I pay her attribution, (laughs) but I just there's something about that word posture. She uses it in her work around equity, racial equity, because that's really her space um, in sort of leadership development and many other wonderful things she does. I have borrowed it when I've spoken to other people about, um, belonging. Um, I think, I just think that word posture, it does in one word, it does all the things we've been talking about, which is like body and vibrations and your cognitive side and your spiritual. I don't know. There's it's, it's not, I feel like it's not often that one word sort of satisfies me, but posture yeah. satisfies me in very interesting ways. I don't know. What do you think, Brianne?
2: Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I go back to when I hear posture, I think actually of the anatomy right away. Because when I think about, because I used to teach this, um, mm-hmm. like the spine and all the vertebrae of the spine and then the muscles that support the ribs, you know, which a lot of them attach to the spine. And it just like, it makes me sit up straight, even mm-hmm. kind of thinking about it. And to me, then if you think of like posture and you're standing up straight, you're like ready to go out into the world. Yeah. Like there's a readiness about a posture that, mm-hmm. and like, it, it's almost like potential energy. Like you're, you are set, you are strong. And if, if what's filling up that spine and what's bringing you all that, that strength are these things, <laughs> yeah, radical acceptance, attunement, attention, relationships, belonging, yeah. um, to me, that's a very open posture. And like, yeah. you're ready to, ready yeah. to like, take those steps. So I love the word. I completely agree with you. I love the phrase, um, posture of belonging. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's
1: inclusive and it's,
2: um, it's broad. Like there's a lot that we could do with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny. Cause, um, I think back to Taylor too, because I think there's so many ways that you could riff on the idea of posture, right? Because posture is a way, again, I keep going back to this idea of packaging or packing up all these things we're talking about and taking them into various spaces, but it, not a, but and posture is also, you know, to your point and your illustration, it's a good way to check in with yourself. Like as women, um, even as white women, and I know my whiteness brings lots and lots of privilege. When I walk into a room of leaders that is often full of men, I'm starting to notice my posture mm. and I get smaller because women are trained through media, etc. So it's interesting, right? Like I'm challenging myself to like change how I like to take up space. And so I think there's an interesting riff on posture in lots of ways to to sort of key in on how you're showing up what do your students look like in the spaces whether it's virtual or in the classroom what are you doing to sort of support right them taking up space anyway like what do they need in that moment if you're noticing a posture where they're sort of into themselves or are they protecting for some reason so it's a really interesting word to to think about and I've um I've just been paying more attention to how I do or don't take up space so that that word posture just resonates in so many ways yeah so i I we we planned nothing other than we were both (laughs) committing to coming up with themes so i'm gonna take a risk well i'm gonna ask Brian to take a risk and it's always a yes no or counter offer i would love to hear because i I, because honest being really um uh, transparent. I have some thoughts that I would love to share, but I want to hear yours first. How have you seen yourself grow and change this year, if at all, from being a part of this podcast uh, season?
2: Yeah, I think I've really thought about the relationships that I'm in and what makes those um, unique from one another, what makes some of them feel better or worse than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a lot of attention to those relationships. And I've learned so much from all of our guests about things that I think I feel, but hadn't articulated. Mm. Um, I mean, even in what you just said, I'm like, Oh yeah, that definitely happens, (laughs) you know, um, in meetings and kind of just that I always just learned so much. I mean, that's what we were talking about this the other day. It's like the best gig because we have this privilege of learning from all these people about something that we care a lot about. So I guess I would, say that I just in the Jesuit way I've been able to sort of act and reflect through all of these episodes I mean none of these just fly over like everything kind of gets in yeah and at the same time you know we all have really full plates so I'll have these moments of like whoa that was so meaningful and some of the things I take with me and some of the things I just sort of Forget because all the other things come up, but then we have these opportunities to reflect, and I love that we do these at kind of midterm and finals time, you know, yeah. each year. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I really am able to focus on the gifts that that each guest brought, mm-hmm. and it helps me to just broaden my conception of these things that I think are so important. So, just growth, I would yeah. say, um, as a learner.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I, I mean. Look, the and I know we're writing about this, which is really exciting. I think the researcher in me is so grateful and excited that as we do the work we love as researchers and we write about it, we are also so affected mm-hmm. by the data that we collect and the data and the stories that we hear. And I think when I think back to when I got my master's in econ and was doing data analysis, I don't think there was ever a part of me that could have imagined a research process where I would learn so much in such a beautiful and authentic way as the way we do now. And so I think from a research lens, I mean, I hope, I know we have some papers in um, under review, I really hope some of this takes, you know, gets some traction because I do think it's like, I think it's where we're going with research and we should be going with research. So I, I love that part. Um, I think the other part for me, in all honesty, and you and I have talked about this a lot, you know, that that Maya Angelou quote around belonging everywhere and nowhere belonging to self. And I had said to you a few days ago when I first read that in one of um, Brene Brown's books, I was on a razor's edge because like for a millisecond I understood it and then I didn't at all. I had no idea what my angela was saying. And so I feel like over the years I've come back to that quote and I've I've still been on a razor's edge but I've spent more time in the clarity moment than in the 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 ambiguity moment and I think this year especially I don't know what it is if we've just had a di- such a diversity of guests. I mean, we've had theologians yeah. and teachers <laughs> and parents and coaches and mental health, I mean, so many people. And I think that I really am getting closer to this idea of belonging everywhere and nowhere belonging to self. I'm starting I mean, as a 52-year-old, ugh, I can't believe I'm that old. But as a 52 year old, I feel like I'm finally, like feeling that a little bit. I still have, I mean, you know better than most people, like I still have hiccups along the way, but I don't know, I just notice I'm asking myself better questions, you know, I'm pausing and it's been a fun year of, of growth and noticing. And sometimes like you and I talk a lot about, sometimes it's just the noticing, like I may not make a change in that moment but, like, something we talked about in a podcast, I'll be like, ooh, it's one of these moments. Maybe I should pay yeah. attention.
2: Well, I just love those connections. You know, even in different books and podcasts, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of that person's insights. And,
1: you know, it's just, yeah. it really
2: is just such a privilege to talk to all these people.
1: Yeah, it is fun. Develop these I, relationships, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that I love, and I think we are, we are, if we're not there, we are the closest we've been to really integration, sure. right? Like doing the research that we love, podcasting about the research we love, reading books <laughs> and yeah. podcasting about the research we love. Um, yeah, so I would just, I don't know, I just am grateful. Um, yeah, I'm grateful for our relationship. speaking of relationships. Um I'm I mean our relationship, Brian, you and me. Yeah, um, yeah. and I'm grateful and feel such a sense of privilege that we get to, as you said, speak to so many different people. And I am I'm over the moon excited about what's possible in season five. I think we're, you know, it's a good time. We've we've we started out just exploring research on belonging. We had this wild opportunity to explore belonging during a pandemic. We've talked to leaders about belonging. We spent an entire year talking to people about relationships and belonging. And it just seems that we've like been building towards self and belonging. Right. Which will be, yep. which is crazy. Cause like the audience should realize like this wasn't the end goal. Like we, we still don't know where we're necessarily going. We just know what we're going to do for season five. So yeah. Yeah. So I, this is, yeah, it's been very
2: organic, the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Which is true to the research that we want to do. So it kind of feels, feels authentic. Feels good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I can't end season four reflection without saying I can't help but think that This podcast and the way it rolls out and the way the conversations have turned and the guests we've invited is exactly reflective of how my grandmother would show up for all the things, whether she was at home or at her church or in her neighborhood. No human being that my grandmother ever met was a stranger. Um, And in fact, her kids when she was alive Sometimes would worry that she would befriend people that they weren't sure. <laughs> she was that very those friendly. relationships were
2: in her best interest. <laughs> yeah, that they
1: were in her best interest, but she nonetheless would start a conversation. So, yeah. So I can't help but think that her spirit is just permeates the conversations that we have with people, and that that heartened that just feels good that that's going yeah. on. So,
2: yeah. No, I was going to ask you to circle back
1: to that. So that was. That was a good ending. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, good. Well, wow. Look at us, Brianne. We've gone from scripted, very like all written mm-hmm. podcast episodes to let's show up with our three things
0: and, and go. see where
1: we go. So Yeah, that was fun. That was yeah, fun. Yeah. I, I would pat you on the back if I were there hey, same. with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I know that's been a growth edge for, for us. So that that's been great. Any last words before we sign off?
2: No, just thanks. I mean, so fun, our friendship and relationship. It's like so cool to be able to, to do all this together. So totally yeah. appreciate it. And here's to a summer of yeah. a little R&R and yeah. planning for, for season
1: five. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to have some sort of big celebration I don't know what it'll be on a pod, what a podcast version of a celebration is, but we'll, we'll come up Um, with something.
2: I don't know. I feel like our friend Lisa Mitchell could help us with that. Oh, totally. I feel like she'd be really good at that.
1: (laughs) Totally. Finger puppets (laughs) or something. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. This has been another episode of Tell Me This, a reflection on season four. There'll be one more treat episode and we will conclude for the summer. Thanks, everybody uh, for listening, take care, be kind to yourselves and others. Thanks for listening.
0: Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.